You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McFray. Welcome back, everyone, to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. I'm joined here with our host, Mark McCray. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. I'm looking forward to diving in and talking about this awesome topic, not PBS, kids. Right, right. All the educational shows that were not found on public television. Uh, Now, we've taken you through the battle of the war, if you will, for the hearts and minds of American children. Now we're going to dive into the shows themselves, going back from the 50s all the way through more or less the modern era, starting with, I believe it was Romper Room, 1954. Yes, uh, Romper Room. 1953? 1953. 1953, yeah. Long-running. Romper Room was almost like a a pre-K school that aired on television. Right. There there were kids, there were activities, there was a a host who was sort of like the teacher of the classroom. Right. It was a very popular preschool series. When I was a kid, it would air Sunday mornings. And we always had to get up, get dressed, go to church. And I only caught the first like maybe 10 minutes of it. And, you know, I know a lot of people have opinions about religion and whatnot. For me, the only gripe I had about church was uh, it, it conflicted with my romper room schedule. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to that for sure. Um, I think I have shared uh, a similar view with Saturday morning cartoons just you know, having to go do school shopping on Saturday right. morning one time and and all the new shows were premiering and right. it was it was like the worst Saturday ever. So I could definitely relate to being forced by your parents to take you somewhere that you don't necessarily want to go to in the first place and you're gonna be missing something you wanna see on TV. Ain't no video on demand. Ain't no ain't no reruns <laughs> back in the day. Right? No. Oh my gosh. You didn't catch it, you didn't catch it. Right. If you missed it, you missed it. So I totally get that. One of the issues I had with Romper Room was that at the end of the episode, she would look in her magic mirror and right. look out into TV land and, you know, supposedly see people. Right. You know, so when you're three or four years old, you really believe that this lady can see you. You're like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> Right, and she never called my name, and it oh, used to really yep. piss me off and disappoint me. I'm just like, I don't understand. I'm looking right at you. Yeah, same here, same here. I guess you know. I found out later you have to send your name in or send a, mm-hmm. a, a picture right. or something. I, I, yeah. yeah, I guess that's what it was. And you know, my parents were like, "No, here's the TV watch. I'm not sending in your name." You know, so. <laughs> TV's a one-way street, kid. We're not... Right. <laughs> right. They didn't call it a babysitter back in those days, but it sort of was. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's cool that you bring up Romper Room because the other big educational show also that ran as long as Romper Room was uh, Captain Kangaroo. With the ping pong balls and everything. Right. And uh, Captain Kangaroo um, has a pretty cool legacy. I found out recently that, uh, you know, the series used to air cartoons and they used to air one particular cartoon about a Native American Indian boy that would have adventures in the wilderness and would try to protect the environment as well as the animals in the wilderness. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, so it's pretty um pretty interesting and uh a little progressive for the, you know, late 1950s for a cartoon like that to exist. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to to acknowledge something other than white folk as well as 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 worthy of of narrative and exploration as a people. Right, exactly. Exactly. So uh, take my hat off to Captain Kangaroo for that. But both of these shows, Romper Room and uh, Captain Kangaroo, would sort of become targets of uh, action for children's television. Huh. Well, Romper Room would be like one of the first targets that the grassroots kids advocacy group right. that went after certain programming that Dan and I talked about in the last episode. Right. But... uh I think they weren't too crazy about some of the educational elements that were being taught in on Romper Room. Really? And then they just had issues with too many commercials being aimed at kids. That was Action for Children's Television, big deal. Right. Captain Kangaroo wasn't necessarily attacked, but when the Saturday morning cartoons started to get high ratings, they kind of like, the network sort of kicked Captain Kangaroo from 8 o'clock to 7 a.m. Right. And in terms of television, that means that 7 a.m., if your show is coming on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, it's considered buried. It's buried, yeah. Right. They've, they've sent it out <laughs> to die. <laughs> and, of course, when the law changed, a law that actually helped keep Captain Kangaroo on the air because networks were required to have educational components or I guess they were being pressured to have educational components. Right. When the law changed and everything was deregulated, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, what happens? Captain Kangaroo gets canceled. It gets the axe. <laughs> gets the axe. Yeah. It's almost like the networks were like, what? We don't got to do that anymore? Yeah, oh, right. Okay, let's just, we're just going to cancel everything. <clears throat> right. You know? So there was like... Uh, all these educational shows. There was one on ABC. I don't know if you remember it. It was called Animals, Animals, Animals. I don't. I don't. Yeah. So it was sort of like, a, um, how can I put it? An educational series about uh, animals <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> that ran, I think it ran on Saturday mornings, um, or Saturday afternoons, you know, like... Uh, like, if you look at the old Saturday morning schedules, uh-huh. towards 12 o'clock and 1230, they'll put on something that is pro-educational. Sure. A show that couldn't really get great ratings earlier in the day because right, none of right. the kids would watch. And so it's kind of like, okay, we have our educational show. Let's put it on at 1231 o'clock. Right. Where there's not that many people watching anyway. Right. <laughs> and the ratings won't hurt our bottom line. Right. Right. Kind of slide it in there and... <laughs> Uh-huh. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was another show that got the axe. And, uh, but for Captain Kangaroo, the law was sort of designed to help keep his show on the air. Right. So I could understand him being upset that his show got canceled. I mean, you know, he was losing his job. So, yeah, I'd be pissed about it, too. But at the same time, the FCC law that kept his show on the air was sort of a gift, Oh, sure, sure. You know, I mean, he ran for 30 years. Mm-hmm. What kind of severance did he get from the network? Oh, what kind of pension would he have received from, say, the Screen Actors Guild? Uh, or, you know, the uh, the Writers Guild, Directors Guild, Producers Association, whatever he may have been a part of. 
or just simply investing his money <laughs> appropriately. Uh, you would like to think that at least you know, financially he would have been all right to go into retirement at that point. Right, exactly. And he was uh, sort of up there in age, so I'm, I'm sure he was okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah so that was a you know, really big change. But um, meanwhile, back in the 70s, there were other educational attempts at programming. There was In the yeah. Know, a very uh, not-so-well-known educational series. Yeah, jumping out of the 60s into the 70s, it's interesting how Saturday morning, when you take all of the, the political awareness, the social political awareness that came out of the, the 60s, the, the social upheaval, how it would appear that some elements on Saturday morning actually attempted to embrace that and kind of bring kids up to speed. Right, exactly. So you had In the Know that featured the Josie and the Pussycats characters explaining how NASA would prep a rocket for the moon or right. how glass is made. And then the following year, the network dumped Josie and her friends, at least on In the Know, and they right. created a new show called In the News, which had a CBS correspondent named Christopher Glenn, who had an awesome voice educating kids about current affairs. And they were like one-minute segments that would air immediately after the cartoon or live-action Saturday morning show was done. Right. And that show eventually evolved into um, 30 Minutes, which was like a kid's version of the 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes, right. Franchise. So these were like really great attempts. And of course, there was Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, so uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Which we talked Rock. about. Yeah. You know, which was really made education so enjoyable with really catchy songs and tunes and a variety of music. You know, when you watch Schoolhouse Rock, you didn't know what music genre you were going to get. But all of it, whether it was rock and roll or R&B or country. All of it. It was, it was oh, even great. Even to this day, when I catch it on YouTube, I pop it on. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The way that they were able to teach through music. Like, I right. remember in the third grade learning my times tables through these really silly songs. And yeah. to this day, when I, it's like, you know, when I have to figure out, you know, six times seven, you know, I sing... 6, 12, 18, 24, 30. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the, 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 the tune itself <laughs> that, that has allowed me to retain the information. And now when right. it, they talk about a bill up on Capitol Hill, <laughs> you know, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely thinking about it. Uh, yeah. One of my favorites also came from the number six. Uh, <laughs> although the, the example they used probably wasn't, the. Uh, something that were for kids. So, the you know, the singing sort of went like six times six is 36, six sure. times six. There right. was a man. <laughs> yeah, he had six wives. <laughs> Those six wives had six kids, six times six. I'm like, okay. So they show this dude that's obviously living in a foreign country that's allowed to have more than one wife. Yeah. And that's the example they use to talk about six times six. No, man, you learn your math, your polygamy, your misogyny, all in you know one-stop shopping right there. Yeah, preach, preach, Dan. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my God. But I always thought that was funny. Even as a kid, I'm like, wait a minute, should we be teaching kids about, <laughs> about a man that has six wives and that 
and those six wives have six kids to make the example. Well, like we but, said, this is not PBS Kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But hey, I didn't care. I was still singing along, and yeah, right? 30 years later, I'm still singing along. <laughs> yep. <laughs> six times six is 36. Six times six. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. And uh, I guess we should jump to the 80s, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting into the 80s, that's when, you know, as we got into everything kind of flipped, Reagan's administration loosened up the laws on what could and couldn't be shown and what what qualified, quote unquote, as educational television, as in, eh, just uh, throw in knowings half the battle at the end of it and you'll be fine. Bit of a bit of a desert there for a minute but in the right. 80s you have a show i remember a show called uh, dr science that would air yeah. at weird hours i think our fox affiliate used to carry it back in 87 you know that show might have aired in the new york tri-state area but i i don't remember it but um tell me about it oh well you know it was very much kind of in the vein of uh, beekman's world or uh, bill nye with almost a, a hint of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, you know, you know, a wacky show, wacky characters. The lead character is named Dr. Science. And they would go through, a, they would have like a slight social moral dilemma to kind of frame the episode, but it was more or less a platform to get across uh, some basic science. And then here's an experiment you can do at home, say in terms of gravity or buoyancy, things like that. Highly stylized, very much a product of the eighties. I, I just, I remember the last bit of the, the theme song. It was, uh, I know more than you do. My name is Dr. Science. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. And it wow. aired, it aired all over the place on the schedule, you know, Saturdays at two Sundays at noon, Filling the network's much-needed um, educational requirement. Right, <laughs> right. Well, that's, well, that sounds like a really cool show. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved Beekman's World. I thought it was really funny and great and innovative in a interesting way uh, to learn. And, you know, if a Beekman's World comes on now, I have to stop and watch it, you know, because right. it still manages to pull me in. Right, right. Yeah, no, a very... You know, Bill Nye, you could say the uh, the same thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's stylized, it's designed for children, but designed to pull you in and teach you about science. Maybe throw in a few other values while you're at it. I mean, you look at Bill Nye now, you know, he's he's a he's a warrior for social, you know, for ecology and social justice and whatnot. Uh, he'll, oh, even, yeah. he'll even drop an F-bomb or two. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he doesn't care anymore. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, you know... Hey, it's like that sometimes. Yeah, right, right. Now, what show that uh, I, looking back on, uh, am very impressed with that I used to watch regularly was uh, on a cable news, it was on a cable children's network. Uh, it was called Nick News. I believe it uh, came out in 1992. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, a former NBC correspondent, uh, Linda Ellerby, was Linda chosen Ellerby. as the host. As the host. Yeah, yeah. She was the host. I think she was probably producer and all that as well. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, that that show was pretty good and pretty interesting and sometimes tackled some controversial issues. Like one yes. time, one of the last ones that I saw, this is years ago, they talked about all the business with the Confederate flag. You know, right. is it 
is it something that people should be celebrating or does it have to do with Southern heritage? And we're going to tackle that topic. And right. I thought that was, wow, that was pretty progressive. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Especially in a, what is a quote unquote kids program. Right. Uh, they discussed right. AIDS. They discussed the Gulf war. They, they framed it in a way that children, you know, would grab children. Children mm-hmm. could, could understand, but they didn't pull any punches. You know, right. Linda Ellerby put it out there pretty plain. Yeah. Very progressive show. I'm not sure. How long did that show last? It ran from 1992 to 2015. Oh, wow. I'll be darned. Yeah. Now, it wasn't a show or series that ran every week. You know, it would show up a couple of times a year, maybe three or four times a year. You know, the show was very successful. It did really great ratings, I'm sure. Or not. But uh, I just liked what they were offering for kids. It was... uh, it was educational, but they never dumbed down the right. information. Right. Well, it's 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 pretty cool to think that such a celebrated and seasoned journalist like Linda Ellerby would helm a project like that. And, you know, it was pretty cool to see something like that outside of PBS. You know, it was a pretty, pretty bold move on her part and all involved to, right. to kind of, you know, to, to put that out there for children to, to explain current events well, to even broach the subject of current events, to be quite honest right. with you, with children. Yeah, because even with the 30 minutes show, you know, it ran in the later part of Saturday morning, like I was saying earlier, you know, like towards that 12 o'clock, 1230 time period. And that was done that way on purpose, because if they had placed it at 10 o'clock a.m., that show oh. would have gotten killed in, right. in, in right. traffic. You know, so you put something like that out of traffic so that people who want to see it will watch it and appreciate it. Exactly. Um, and uh, the same for Linda Ellaby's uh, specials, you know, it's like, OK, kids don't want to see this every week, but we should make it in a special event, you know, like a couple of times a year. And then this way we'll get the most uh, viewers to check things out. Right. Right. When something starts you heating know? up around the world, kids need a little little context. Here right. we go. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so that was one of the good ones. And Linda Ellerby, everybody, raise your glass. For sure. I'm raising my glass. There you go. Now, you know, back, you know, going, you know, out of the late 80s, going into the 90s, environmentalism really hit everybody's collective consciousness. And as a result of that, you had a show that, you know, really kind of stands out from the rest of these because there was also a line of toys. Uh, it was very much marketed during primetime kids' hours. It, it attempted to be the whole kit and caboodle, if you will, just like, say, Ninja Turtles or G.I. Joe, but with a a very, very focused, with a very uh, definitive, concise environmentalist message, and that was Captain Planet. The celebrity voiceover people that they got to voice some of the characters. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. Um, they had like Whoopi Goldberg, who played Gaia, right. who was uh, the mother of Earth. The, the, the disembodied face of wisdom that was in their, the computer screen, screen of their, their base. Right. Right. But sometimes she would actually show up like in an astral form, too. Oh, okay. You know? And she was pretty cool. And I believe that Tom Cruise actually did one of the characters. No kidding. At least during the, the first season. Yeah. Yeah. They had, I remember hearing they had a lot of uh, voice talent in that first season. Right. A lot of right. you know, very unexpected celebrities right. lending their um, voice. 
Yeah, LeVar Burton, I believe, played Kwame, one of the planeteers. Right. Yeah, so it was a really big deal, and I love the design of the Captain Planet character. Right. Um, I thought it looked pretty cool. Uh, it, it probably looks a little dated now because it has all the hallmarks of 19, <laughs> 1990s sort of look and hair and, right. you know, uh, and, well, he doesn't have a, um, you know, when guys used to cut their hair real short and they would have the back end hanging down. Oh, like a mullet. Yeah. Yeah. B- he, business he, in the front, party in the back. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He doesn't have a, Captain Planet doesn't have a mullet, but you can see uh, the design of his hairstyle easily right. turning into a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's he's one he's one week away from missing a supercuts appointment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Dan, I know there was a couple other shows that uh, you had mentioned that um, I missed mainly because uh, I was probably raising a family back then. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna tell me? You wanna? There, oh. Yeah. There was a show. <laughs> now I was all you know getting into my later teen years and whatnot. So me being up. Saturday mornings was a rare thing, but when I when I was, I'd flip over to I believe it was ABC, and they had a really rad show called Science Court, which for the second and third season changed its name to Squiggle Vision. Uh, it it was it basically took place in a in a courtroom, and they would tackle you know science ethical you know, a lot of different uh, questions and whatnot, and you had a a generally defense or prosecutor who was a dummy, basically, arguing against it. Uh, and then, you know, either, you know, then the, the other side arguing for the logic of it. And it was done by the same people that ended up bringing us uh, the show Home Movies. Oh, you know? how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Lucy, um, Daughter yeah. of the Devil, Bob's Burgers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that same crew. I, I guess I should have, when as soon as you mentioned Squiggle Vision, that was the first time that I ever saw Squiggle Vision was like on the show Home Movies. Exactly. Looking at a lot of the same productions, same voice cast uh, in uh, for both shows, for all of those shows. Wow. Well, that yeah. one got by me. I didn't know. I had never heard of that series before. Well, it would have fallen under education, and I think it probably got past a lot of people, but the, the humor was right there <laughs> with, with that group of uh, entertainers. And right. yeah, I just remember that, that being a very, very satisfying show wow i gotta i gotta look it up and it's i'm sure it's on youtube somewhere h john benjamin paula poundstone it's got to be on youtube somewhere yeah 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 did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks in my book the best saturdays of our lives i write about how saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network My book covers the Big Bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. I'm Brittany Vitrino. And I'm Martha Bartlett. We've been nerds since day one and we love to talk. And now we're your hosts of But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. Come listen if you like anything from comics, anime, video games, sci-fi, and even history. Just sit back, relax, even join us with a drink in hand, because we'll have one in ours too, and come talk nerdy with us every Tuesday. We are now a proud member of the ESO Network, and you can download wherever you like to listen. See you next Tuesday.
I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, the fact that uh, Steven Universe, even though it does not count as educational, had some educational moments. Yeah, then we fast forward a good you know, 15 years. And, you know, there are a lot of shows that would fall into that mix. But yeah, I, th- I think Mark and I want to give a special shout out to Steven Universe for its social message of in- inclusion, uh, acceptance and whatnot. Yeah, all those things. You know, it's one of the few shows that's been nominated for a GLAAD Award, Yep, which is, you know, pretty big um, for a kid's show. And Steven Universe is one of those series that I think really benefited from the fact that there wasn't anyone or anything blocking the message. Right. And, you know, it just really paid off huge, Mm -hmm. you know, for the series and and for viewers. Well, it's become... Such an important show for uh, LGBTQ plus youths, you know, going through, you know, very formative time in their uh, adolescence, teenage years, even even childhood. Right. Know, showing that it's it's OK. It's all OK. Yeah. Everything's fine. For me, the series really proved that you don't have to necessarily beat education down a kid's throat. Because you'll be, you should be able to, if you're a really good writer, be able to have those elements within the story that doesn't come across as preachy. It normalizes the message. It exactly. normalizes the message within a very compelling storyline about right. uh, you know, aliens, intergalactic warfare, the, conqu- the ancient conquest of Earth, you know, all the way to, you know, am I my mom, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wow, yes, yes. So well said, Dan. Oh, my gosh. I'm a fan. I'm yeah, a fan. What yeah, can I say? yeah, that's cool. That is cool. You know, just real quick, a funny story. Um, I was looking at one of the DVDs for one of the Filmation shows, and Lou Sharma talks about how kids used to write Filmation all the time, saying how much they enjoyed those end-of-the-episode educational messages. Right. And, you know, Lou's like, well, I'm glad I was able to get those messages in and get it across to people and... And kids really needed to hear some of those things. I sort of interpreted it totally different as parents are not doing their jobs. <laughs> if some of these messages, these poor kids don't know anything about, it's like, I, I feel like parents are, are laying down on the job, you know? Right. But hey, I guess for the parents that do forget to tell their kids something, those educational messages probably did come in handy. That's, that's, uh, that's all they got. Aside from whatever right. they glean from school, that's that's right. all they got. And maybe those educational messages prevented people from taking the wrong path as well. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. You, you never know, you never know. The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcasts, like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. 
You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. I think uh, the vast majority of my moral compass was shaped by children's television telling me, uh, don't be a jerk. (laughs) All, All the stuff you remember as a kid, we got it all right here on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. I'm Dan Klink. And I'm Mark McRae. And we will see you next time. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.